0: This is where I'm going to go to meddling in your life. This is where we're going to get into each other's business. And I'm going to irritate you quite a bit. But I want you to remember something. You ready? I love you. <laughs> and this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. <laughs> So, if you're a Christian, that means that you have two natures within you. You have an old nature and you have a new nature. And these two natures inside of you are at conflict with each other. That's why, even though you are a Christian, even though you've put your faith in Christ and you've been born again, you have difficulty obeying God. In obeying God's word, you have, you have difficulty with it. There are things that we stumble over. And the reason we stumble over them is because we have these two natures who are at war with each other. The Apostle Paul says in one place, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? It's weak. Now, believe it or not, I've lost 100 pounds in my life. The same two pounds 50 times. <laughs> always in conflict. Now, you can, you can start a diet tonight. You can start an exercise regimen today and say, no, tomorrow, I'm always starting exercise regimens on Monday. I'm going to start it on Monday. But then when Monday comes, that alarm clock goes off. Rant, rant, rant. Then you got to rise up out of that bed. And you got to go downstairs in the basement. You know, you're going to do some push-ups. Or, you know, you got a treadmill down there. you got to turn that sucker on. And you start thinking about, well, I don't know if I really, maybe tomorrow. Because we know we should, we know we ought to, but there's that conflict within us, right? And so that's what, actually Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 6 and 7, if you can remember back that far, he talks about this conflict we have with the old nature. But here in chapter 12, after telling us how God has saved us and how God has brought us into the glorious light of the gospel, the apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12, look at verses 1 and 2, only two verses. I appeal to you therefore. In light of what I've said to you, my appeal, the authorized version says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now those that's interesting words. spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, we trust the Lord will add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Now, in verse number 1, what you have is an appeal. Paul says, I am appealing to you because you have received God's mercies Because you've received something for God, I want you to give your body or your whole self to God. I want you to give yourself to God. You've been purchased, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 7. Know ye not that you are not your own. You are bought with a price. You don't belong to yourself anymore. I was knocking doors one time. We came here from Oklahoma, and we lived right outside Fort Sill on our artillery base. When I first moved there, I thought, wow, there's a whole army base full of soldiers over there, and I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to go door to door and knock on doors and pass out gospel tracks. Now, so I went over there and did it. And I had a bunch of people from my church over there doing it too. We had two teams of people, 13 or 15 people, knocking on doors on the, on the military base. Well, I finally knocked on doors until I got all the way around to the sergeant major's horseshoe. So everybody in this horseshoe was a sergeant major. Now, my knowledge of the military was very small uh, then. And it's a little better now. But I got all the way around to a door and I knocked on it. And this man was not just a sergeant major, he was the command sergeant major of the post. Does anybody know what that is? The command sergeant major of the post. So he's the top enlisted man on the facility. And I knocked on his door and he came to the door. And he said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm Terry Basham from Bethel Baptist Church, and I'm passing out tracts. talking to people about the Lord. And he said, you can't do that here. I said, buddy, this is the United States of America, and I have the right to free exercise of religion. And part of that is missionary work, and that's what I'm doing. I'm here. I'm a missionary to tell you about Jesus Christ. And he said, Buddy. Listen to me. He said, "Outside that gate is the United States of America." <laughs> inside this, Inside those gates is the United States Army. And it uh, wasn't long till I was leaving. <laughs> but he saved me from getting arrested because the uh, military police pulled up right after that, and so it was a, I dodged disaster. But I came to know soldiers and Marines, and when you're in the military, you don't really belong to yourself anymore. You belong to the United States government. You're a soldier. And the apostle Paul, he uses this terminology, when he talks to Timothy, he reminds Timothy that you're a soldier. You belong to Christ. You're in, you're in His service now. Now, as part of this service, as in this relationship we have, the Apostle Paul says, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to Christ. You've been bought with a price. So Paul says, I appeal to you therefore, brothers. Now this word means he's talking to Christians. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're off the hook with this sermon. But if you're not a Christian, you're on another hook, and that hook is hooked to a a great giant anchor chain, and that chain is sin, and it's pulling you deep, 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 and eventually it's going to pull you down into the fiery inferno of hell, and that's where you're going to go if you're not a Christian. So just because you're off the hook for this sermon doesn't mean you're off the big hook. Because you have to put your faith in Christ. If you don't do that, you're not going to go to heaven. You need the forgiveness of sins. Now, I hope that God will show you that as I'm talking about this. And I trust Him to do it in a way that's better than what I can do. So Paul says, I appeal to you because you are a Christian. Because you've received God's mercies to give your body. Now, this this is interesting language because it means the whole self. Give your whole self To God, it's reasonable. Give your whole self to Him. Present to Him your body as a living sacrifice. Give your whole self to Him. And Paul says, this is what spiritual worship is. Now, in a Christian church, we hear a lot about worship, and sometimes there's a great deal of confusion about what worship really is and when it takes place. And just so everybody knows how I think about worship— Everything that we do here from the time we walk into this building on the Lord's Day is an act of worship. We worship God by getting ready at home. We worship God by driving here. And we're worshiping God walking in these doors. As we're sitting here, we're worshiping. A minute ago, we were singing. We were worshiping God. Denise is worshiping God as she's playing. Jim, as he's leading. And and Natalie, she's playing the bongos for us, whoever else is up here. These are all acts of worship to God And right now, I'm committing an act of worship by preaching to you, and you're committing an act of worship by listening to the sermon. When you put a little offering in the offering box back there, that is an act of worship. Everything that we're doing is worship, especially here on on a Sunday. Now, Paul says, Give your whole self to Him, which is your spiritual worship. The Apostle says that our spiritual worship is giving our whole self to God. Now, that doesn't just mean on Sunday. It's our whole life. It's every moment of our life. Now, you may say, well, how exactly is it then? How can I worship God at school or at work or while I'm fishing? How can I worship God with my whole self all the time? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, You do it all for the glory of God. Or you could say it. You do it all for the worship or the honor or the praise of God. Because that's what worship is. It's honoring God as being worthy of our special attention. Being worthy. So whatever you're doing in your life, you do it for the glory of God or for the honor of God. Now, that means that when you get up tomorrow morning... And you get ready to go to work, you need to think about going to work as an act of worship. I'm going to go down there and work at my job in such a way that it glorifies and honors God. That means I'm not gonna slough off, slough off, goof off. I'm gonna do my best at my job. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, not take extra long coffee breaks. It's so easy to do, though, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not going to cheat my employer. I'm not going to rip him off. Or if you go to school tomorrow. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go to school. Not because I like it or love it, but just for the glory of God. Amen? Just so I can please the Lord. Because my whole life belongs to Him. Everything that I have, everything that I am belongs to Him. And whatever I do, if I'm eating or drinking, I should do it all to the glory of God. And my friends, I've been a Christian since I was 15 years old. And there are a lot of things you can, you can actually live your whole life to the glory of God. But in order to do that, you have to live your life in a way that actually does glorify God. You see? You gotta be honest, you gotta be diligent. You gotta be pure. You know what I'm saying? A way, a way that reflects good on God. Because we all know how it is out there in the world. What, why, why, do, why, do, why, do, why do people say, I don't, I don't want to go to church? What's a people's big gripe about going to church? It's full of hypocrites, right? The church house is full of hypocrites. Now, usually our, our response to that is, well, there are hypocrites everywhere, right? I've worked with a lot of people who told me they're hard workers, but I know better. (laughs) So, but the reason why they say that about Christians is because so many Christians are hypocritical. Because they're so extreme. On Sunday, they're, you know, oh. And then on Monday, they're just as yucky as everybody else. It'd be better if they were just consistently yucky. We have to, we, we have to be consistent. Put our, our Christianity in shoe leather and live it out. To be Christians wherever we are, to live a life that's devoted to God, we have to, we have to remember those things. Now, I'm sorry to be so stupid about things, but like, um, I'm not going to say that. I guess I will. So, uh, I don't want to say it though. Our ambition, our objective should be to live lives that bring honor to God. Even the parts of our lives that no one sees but us your whole self given to Him so that, with, so that even when you're around people or not around people, your whole ambition is to please God with your life. Now, here's the question. Is that how you are living your life? Are you living your life to the, to, in, a, in an act of worship to God? Now, If you aren't doing that, there's a a problem. And and the problem could be one of two things. If you're not living that way, I guess the question would be, why why aren't you living that way? Why aren't you living your life in an act of worship to God? What's the reason for that, you know? So... It could be one of two things, right? Just one of two things. You don't want to. Why don't I want to? Why don't I? Because I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a sermon to you. that, that I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a standard higher than I, than I can even live up to. And John Piper says that's the way you should do it. So there you go. If you need, a, if you need an appeal to authority, there you go. Because the objective is to be like Christ, right? This is our objective to be like Christ, to really be living lights. And it's hard. It's hard because we're, we have this old nature that doesn't want, us, doesn't want us... I was playing basketball. This is what I didn't want to tell you guys about. I was playing basketball on Thursday and I got elbowed in the side of my left head so hard I saw fuzz. The left side of my head still hurts. And then five, five minutes later... I collided with a man who was 6'9". We're both going for the basketball, and goosh! I got two cuts inside my lip right here. I got two more up here. When I got done, one of the guys said, Terry, we need to stop this game for a few minutes because you don't look too good. (laughs) And I said, well, no we don't. (laughs) Soldier on, right? Just play on. It It really rung my bell. And you know what? There's a part of me that wanted to get a chair and go WWF on somebody. I mean, I, I mean, I I got a temper, right? So, and, and it was it wasn't anything malicious. That that was that you know that's that's the worst part. <laughs> wrong place, wrong time, right? So, we we it's it's hard. It's it's difficult sometimes to to be a Christian everywhere at all times. It's it's hard to remember this sometimes. But a person who's been born again, you kind of expect them to want to be a Christian, right? It's like people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I never go to church. I'm always like, I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense to me. You're a Christian, but you don't want to go to church ever? Ever? I mean, I don't want to go to church every single Sunday. To be honest with you, this is one of those Sundays. I told Valerie this morning, I was in the bathroom combing my hair, and I said, I just want to get my sermon and go. So I feel you, right? You ever felt that way? I'm just going to show up, I'm going to come in late and leave early. Anybody ever felt, felt that way? It happens to preachers too. I mean, it's just, we're all made out of the same stuff. But what, what's wrong with your want to? I don't want to go to church. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to do anything for God. Why? What's wrong? Sometimes, well, I don't like so-and-so. Well, me neither. here I am. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's wrong with us? So it could be two things. One, it could be we're not really Christians at all. That would that would explain it all, wouldn't it? You know, you ever you ever you ever try to put a, a a nut on a bolt? I remember the first time that me and my dad took the rear tandems off a school bus. What, what what do you find about the threads on the rear of a school bus or a truck? What do you find that about them? Those inner ones are left-handed. Have you ever, I mean, my left-handed threads. What a wicked thing! Have you ever tried to do that? To tighten lefty tidy? <laughs> <laughs> it just it's hard. You got to you got to go to your left hand almost. You know, the reason why the, you may not like Christianity at all is maybe because you're not a Christian at all. Maybe we're trying to put a right-handed bolt on left-handed left right-handed nut, right? You know, on left-handed threads. Maybe that's the problem. And maybe you need to really embrace that fact about yourself. I'm not a Christian. Now, if you embrace that fact and say, you know, I'm not a Christian. Well, that means a couple things. It means, one, you're not going to go to heaven when you die. It means that all your sins are as yet unforgiven. And you're going to meet God in the last day. And you're going to give account for all your sins. And he's going to judge you for those sins. And the price for those sins that you've actually committed, not, not, not fake committed, but the things you've really done, is you're going to go to hell forever. And pay for your own sins. God is is really chill. He'll let you do whatever you want to do. He'll let you do whatever you want to do. You can rob. You can pillage. You can rape. You can kill. He'll let you do anything you want to do. The only catch is when you die, you got to go to hell forever and and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so, if you're not a Christian... Man, I want you to think about becoming a Christian. I don't, want you, I don't want you to stay a non-Christian. Come to Christ while you can. Christ is this friend of sinners. Jesus saves sinners. He came into this world not to save the, the nearly goods. He came here to save the chiefest of sinners. He came here to save people like me and people like you who are sinning machines. And he'll save you if you'll call upon him. So the first reason could be you're not a Christian at all the second could be that you are a Christian, but you're backslidden I know I've said this to you before, but you have to think about what's wrong what's wrong with me on the inside here? How come I don't want to ever what's what's happened to me? I used to be into it now I'm not what's 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 causing this maybe you've become backslidden now that's a baptist term it's kind of a church term that you may not really understand but it means that you have grown cold in your affections toward God that you've become cold in your affections toward God you've become hardened and calloused and you're and you're just you're, there's distance between you and God so I'm trying to say distance now this this doesn't happen overnight It happens little by little. Incrementally, you just drift. You just drift. Until the next thing you know, you look up from your phone (laughs) and you've crossed over one lane, two lanes, three lanes, and you're hitting the trees on the far side of the road. You know what I'm saying? You just drifted away from him. Little by little i found myself in this, uh, in this very situation. Now, preachers usually can't stay backslidden more than four or five days at a time because we've got to give sermons. And sermons kind of always remind you, hey, <laughs> you've got to straighten your act up, right? You can drift. And you can drift and you, before you realize it. You've gotten so far away, You might even think you're lost. You might even think that you're not really a Christian. So it's either one of those two things. The reason you don't want to give your whole self to God as your reasonable worship, as your spiritual worship, the reason why you don't want to give your whole self to Him could be because you're not a Christian or because you're backslidden. Now, I don't know the answer to that for you. Only you know. But those are the two causes. Those are the two reasons. Now, And I guess I I could add a third. I don't have it in my notes, but I guess I'll add a third. It could be that you're really hurting. Really hurting. Because there are some things in this life that can really hurt you, aren't there? There are some disappointments that can come into your life that can really wreck you. Because we all have hopes and dreams. And the Bible says in Proverbs... Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred. What if we all wake up tomorrow and they say, oh, we decide to cancel deer season? You know what I'm saying? What if we wake up tomorrow, you know, and who knows? You can be really hurt by things, and that, and that, can, and that can do something with your relationship with the Lord. You could look at Psalm 88 and read an inspired psalm where a guy is so depresso in his spirito that he is just, he is just, you guys remember the Cosby show? Remember the Cosby show? Remember that girl on there, his oldest daughter, and her her boyfriend broke up with her, and she said that there's, you know, she was singing this song when she was having trouble with her boyfriend, uh... The, the stars have lost their shining. There's no flowers anymore. Valerie could sing it for us, but it's because she's really carnal. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, you just get depressed. You just get, in your Christian life, I mean, the Christian life is not all sunshine and roses, is it? It's got some, rot, it's got some rotty stuff. There's some rotty parts to it. And that hurt can do something to you, too. I, w- I wish I had. I wish I could tell you how to get over that hurt real easy, but it, it's not easy. Um, it's not easy. Sometimes you have to. Re- you have, sometimes you have to embrace the fact that I, I just don't. I'm just never going to know the why of this. Why it has to be this way. Down south, they had this old song. They sing it at funerals all the time. Uh, further along, we'll know all about it. Further along, we'll understand why. Further along. Why must it be thus all the day long? So it's just the hurt. So I guess there's three things. It could be really hurting. And um, what do you say to a person who's really hurting? Well, you, I guess you tell them to go to the right physician. And as a person who has been, been through hurts, myself, I can say that I've gone to Christ and to His Word it hasn't always been a miracle drug. But going to Christ and to His Word has, has been the healing balm for my soul. And it, it takes a little time. You, you ever take a medicine and it doesn't... The doctor says it's going to take a little time just to really work into your system. It's going to take, it take a while. Sometimes it's like that. So anyway, i are going to move along. I'm starting to get depresso <clears throat> so i don't want you to think about that what i just said because you may be thinking about other people i don't want you to think about other people i want you to think about yourself i want you to be selfish for a little while Is this is this am i talking about are you you are you not a christian you are you backslidden are you really hurting and it's just kind of shocked you to your core paul says you've received the mercies of god now this is the authorized version calls this your reasonable service it's the God has given you this. He's given you salvation, forgiveness of all your sins, so you should give yourself to Him, your whole body, your whole self, in one continual act of worship to Him. Right? Let's look at verse 2. Part of this is not being conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So now that we know we need to worship God with our whole being, and if you're going to do that, it's, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges in devoting your whole self to Him. Now, the world or the age that we live in, the world puts pressure on us to be a child of the age instead of a child of God, right? The world doesn't want you to, to live like a Christian. They want you to live like them. Or they want you to be a Christian that doesn't disrupt, the, that doesn't disrupt their harmony. Nobody, you know, I got this little, this little meme on no, the meme. There's this little cartoon I have. It's about a, it's a picture of some soldiers and they just shot somebody and he's dead laying over here, and it said uh, uh, nobody liked him anyway <laughs> because he always had a dissenting opinion. I mean, sometimes Christians—that's what we are to the world. The world, man, they're they're happy as a pig in slop on their way to hell, and Christians come along and say hey, and disrupts them and it irritates them. So the the world and the age we live in doesn't want us to be like Christ. They don't want us to worship Christ. They want us to be like them. And so the apostle says, don't be conformed to this age. We're supposed to be transformed, not conformed. And the world puts pressure on us, and, the, and I say, not just the world, but the age, the times that we live in put pressure on us. They want us to conform to the philosophies of this age, and, and these pressures are intense, man, they're heavy. The pressure sometimes can come from our, our friends. When I was a teenager, they always talked about peer pressure, you know? Teenagers, are, they, they succumb to peer pressure all the time. But it's not just kids, is it? Peer pressure, it never stops. It never stops. never stops. Sometimes it comes from our friends. Sometimes it comes from our family. Sometimes it's in big waves or small waves. But the, the, the pressure to conform to this age, it never stops coming. Even our Christian friends will try to get us to conform to their point of view because everybody has an agenda. Everybody has something they want. And everybody's always, just the pressure can be unrelenting. But the apostle says, instead of being conformed, we should be transformed. Now these are interesting, interesting words. The word transform here, it's a, it's a Greek word, it's, it's, it's a, from, from which we get the word metaphor, metamorphosis. And the best illustration of the the difference between the two is the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he's on his way to Damascus, a hater of Christians, he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, and then he is a Christian. And he's transformed, he becomes a new person. He was transformed. Now, the Apostle says here we, we should be transformed by the renewal of what? By the renewal of your mind. So, how do we do this? Well, it starts with the new birth. That's why you think that, that's why Christians are concerned about things that non-Christians aren't because they're they've been born again. They're new on the inside. They have new information. They have a new mind. They have a new person living inside them. So the new birth starts this off. And then you and I, we have this mind, keep renewing our mind, keep making it new, renovating it, you could say. And as Christians, we have to keep on renewing our mind through the Spirit. And that's ongoing because the Holy Spirit is with us as Christians. But Paul says that we should be actively engaged in the renewal of our mind. So it's not just the Holy Spirit within us. It means we have to do something too. So like uh, Thursday night, Jim Ackerman was talking about, uh, in a Bible study, about 2 Peter 1, where he said, Add to your faith these things. and and you want to say on one hand, well, it looks like these are all the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, they look look similar to me. But the Apostle Paul says, add. There are some things that the Holy Spirit does within you naturally, but there are some things that you have to work on yourself, right? I mean, it's it's not you're you're just saved and you become... uh, How many of you guys got got an iPhone? Anybody got an iPhone? And so, what does what Apple always send in us? What are they always sending us in the, in the little that little gray box? The little what's it called? The uh, updates. And you know, Apple sends down the update, and it puts a little red number one. Or if you're like me, you might have two or three, because <laughs> I hate the update. So Apple sends you the update, but what do you have to do? You gotta hit the button. You gotta say install now. The phone's gotta be on Wi-Fi. It's gotta be on a charger. Yeah. So the update's there, but then you have to hit the button to make it work. This is kind of so. Christians, here we are. We have the Holy Spirit. We got the. It's downloaded to us, but we gotta install it, right? So how do we do this? What's how we how we do this? Well, come back next Sunday. Because I got to stop. Next Sunday. Let's pray together. And we're going to sing this song. Just a minute. An old song. I surrender all. Father. I pray you would help us with this. With these things. I pray in Christ's holy name.